Welcome to the Arone Sports Podcast. Listen in as professional handicappers Frank and Rob break down this week's wagers on a game-by-game basis. Tomorrow, the last soccer keep is money. Is there a lot of money to be made in that kind of business? Nothing is impossible. You can shear a sheep many times, but skin him only once. Obsession is a young man's game. This is exactly my point. Take it easy, take it easy. Simple, my people, not easy. What's all that about? You're my older brother, and I love you. But don't ever take sides with anyone against the family again. What I think I meant to say was just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I'm here to give you a show what it's missing. You guys are crazy. You ready? Ready. Set? Set. One, two, three, go! Welcome back to the Arone Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. And uh, just got done with the wild card round here at the NFL, heading into the divisional round. So it was, uh, it was a fun slate of games, as kind of as we were hoping last week. And I know uh, a pretty pretty good betting week for me. So that was nice uh, to see everything kind of go according to plan and have the Vikings get through. Uh, that was fun. And, uh, yeah, we're looking, looking forward to this weekend here. Hopefully, uh, the games continue at the same entertainment pace that they set last week. So, without further ado, let's head on upstairs and bring in old Crabber. How you doing there, Crabber? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, like like you said, s- everything was rolling and ready yeah, to go here sure. again. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, it's, uh, Pretty good week of football last week, that's for sure. We both went 2-0. and I know you had two big plays there on the two-unit plays. Uh, one on Minnesota, one on Houston, and I was also, I guess we'll get into that. But, yeah, it's uh, yeah, a good week for both of us. And then uh, just for me, other than just a betting perspective, but just a fan perspective, it was a, uh, I don't know if you could ask a whole lot more for four games there about being close. I mean, they're not that they were perfect. I think that Seattle game and New England game probably lacked a little luster. But for sure the other two games, and then obviously being a Vikings fan, it uh Looks like it's gonna be pretty grim there halfway through the second quarter, or halfway through the second half, and then uh you kind of got that sense. We were kind of talking about it. And we were watching it downstairs in our, uh, you know, row of TVs, but uh luckily they held them off, so that was good for sure. So it's pretty uh pretty good from a Minnesota fan perspective and an NFL fan perspective for sure. Yeah, that uh, you kind of briefly alluded to it there, but I saw a tweet by Warren Sharp that had a suggestion that if you have multiple TVs, you should pause one and have it run like 10 seconds behind or 20 seconds behind or just basically a play behind. So you kind of have like an auto instant replay. And, uh, yeah, we, we tried that and that was, that was pretty sweet. I thought I definitely liked it quite a bit. So it def- definitely enhanced it for sure. It's kind of nice. You got even if it's something not important, you're not going to go back on the TV to go review it because you don't want to miss the game, but something like, you know, a block or something to see if there's a hole for the running back or, you know, if there's a holding call, you can kind of see it before they, Put the review on the on the main uh, on the main feed of the of the of the podcast. So for sure, it's pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, so kudos to Warren on that tweet. Um, but yeah, let's uh, might as well jump right uh, jump right into it here, huh? And do a little uh, weekend recap. The weekend recap. All right. So, do you have any uh, official releases there on Wildcard Weekend? Yeah, kind of uh, stole the headline for this segment in the last segment, but uh, absolutely, like uh, you said, you went 2-0, I went 2-0 as well. I just, uh, you know, pretty much, uh, for the most part, I released one unit plays unless I feel really strongly about something, but um, yeah, just 2-0 two, two, uh, two and all with one unit plays, and uh, just at the two plays, Houston minus 2.5 and, and Seattle minus 1.5. Um, I mean, you could argue that both of them are fairly fortunate. Um, I think 
I think the Houston one, I kind of just goes to show you, I think they played about as bad as it possibly, in that game went about as bad as it could have, I think, them in the first half. It just looked like they were had nothing there and were dead. But you kind of had that sense, even watching the game, that they're kind of playing as bad as they possibly can, and they're still in that game going into halftime. So I think that was kind of a good sign. Almost like that same uh, feel you got with the Minnesota-Green Bay game Monday night in Week 16, how we were the, the Vikings were basically dominating and only uh, you know, barely winning at halftime, and then they come out and don't show anything in the second half. It kind of had that similar feel to me. And then on the other hand, Seattle, I, I still think it was the right side. I still don't really understand. It, actually, some money came back in on Philly. I still don't really understand that. And uh, But, you know, ended up getting there. But, of course, the first thing you're going to say is uh, Wentz getting out early. Of course, Carson went off into the locker room and wasn't able to play the rest of the game um, for, you know, more than a half. So it's, it, you know, that's obviously part of it. But, I mean, even then, I don't think that they would have changed a whole lot. But, again, that's just opinion-based. So, you know, we can, we can argue about that. But either way, the play did get there. Uh, was lucky for sure to have uh, Wentz go down. Obviously, going to the 40-year-old or 41-year-old backup, whatever it was in McCown, was, a, was pretty fortunate from a Seattle perspective. But, uh, either way, I, I still think it was the right side uh, if it would have played out uh, with 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 Wentz in there. But of course, we're not going to know that. Um, I, and, and like I said with the Seattle line, I was even more, you know, baffled by this Houston line. I just I really don't understand it even to now how that how that wasn't three. I know I, we mentioned on the podcast last week. I just really felt strongly that, that should be you know at least three, if not some three with juice on Houston. So of course it landed right on three, which again we'll get in the next segment, but. Um, yeah, I just it was really, really strange how that came down to two and a half. And uh, I even saw some twos in Vegas there before close. So, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy for me, but on um, that line movement. But yeah, it, like, uh, overall for the weekend, it was, uh, it was pretty good for sure. I had a couple winners there in a, in a thin slate. Yeah, that's, you already mentioned, yeah, I had, uh, put a two unit around Houston, which, yeah, like I said, was fairly fortunate to get there. But I also think, yeah, if you play that game, a hundred times, there's a lot of scenarios where Houston wins that game pretty easily. And so that, that was one of the more fortunate uh, ways the game's going to unfold for Buffalo, and Houston still got there. So maybe that's just a way of rationalizing and uh, getting lucky. But uh, I think there's definitely games where I'll say, yeah, I was on the wrong side winner or, you know, right side loser. And I, I you can kind of say that was a little maybe a wrong side, just the way the game unfolded, if you look at that. But it just seems to me like, the second half was more indicative of, of what those teams are, and in my opinion. So I don't. I think that was kind of a. It was obviously lucky to get there, but I don't necessarily hate the bet even looking back on it. Uh, the other game, uh, the Vikings put another two unit on that, and I was going to split it up between uh, one with the point spread and one with the money line, and I wish I would have, but uh, I didn't. Didn't end up releasing that, so I just kept two units on the Vikes, and obviously that was. Pretty much never in doubter, so that was nice and easy. Even though the the game was in question for a lot of it, the the spread never really was. So all those there's just a bunch, a bunch of Saints teasers. I know what did what do you say, uh, Bogdanovich with William Hill? So that what did what was the deal? Yeah, he said. Uh, so they have books. William Hill has books all over the U.S. now, or in different parts of the U.S. And one of the books they were talking about was their Mississippi books, which obviously is in close geographic location to uh New Orleans. So they're talking about how he said uh on a radio show that he had that they had uh from William Hill US had the biggest win on any day of uh was on that Sunday with the Saints and basically the biggest or not on any day of the biggest the biggest win from the house perspective on any game since their existence in the US, which is pretty crazy. And it could have been the whole company, I, I I'm not sure, but it's it was either the whole company or, or just the William Hill US. Either way pretty 
ridiculous for as long as they've been in, in business here. So then the, the, the guys asked them, you know, okay, is it because of the Mississippi books? Because obviously you're going to have the geographical location for people just wanting to bet New Orleans. And he said, no, it had nothing to do with that book. It was only in Nevada. So that just goes to show you how uh, it wasn't even geographically um, based. It was more so just of how lopsided it was. And like you said, yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with people betting those money line on, on New Orleans or the or, or the teaser down to, you know, one and a half or under three. So it's just pretty crazy yeah, how much they made off of that because it seemed like the easy play. And, of course, they ended up losing outright. So and obviously a huge, huge win there for the house. Yeah, it's just amazing how every – Everything you listen to or people you talk to, it's like, all right, well, the Saints is a gimme. If you tease them, then it's figuring out who else to put with them. And uh, I think I made a case last week that I think that that game had a pretty wide range of outcomes. And, I, I mean, if the way the Vikings' defense came out, I think that was definitely a, um, you know, like a, a positive uh, outcome for them you know, as far as a somewhat unlikely outcome that their defense is going to play that good. So not to say sit there and pound my chest and say they were going to win that game every single time. But I thought that was was a possibility that the game would play out that way, and and obviously it did. So that was that was nice, and uh, yeah, a pretty profitable week for myself. So I think that's like four four or five winning weeks in a row for me. So I'm rounding right into form here. Is running out of games, <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, yeah, good good and bad, I suppose. I guess I'll I guess I'll take it. But yeah, fun fun weekend. Uh, a lot of the all the games were you know, fairly close. Like even like in your Seattle bet. They pretty much had the game in hand with Carson going down, but at the same time, McCown had had the ball there uh, deep in in Seattle territory with a chance to tie it up down eight there late. So, yeah, from a fan perspective, I don't think based on the spreads and uh, the quality of teams here, it's I think unlikely we're going to get the same type of uh, entertaining games this weekend. But we'll cross our fingers and see what happens. Yeah, and it's funny too with that Seattle game. Um, even though it was, you know, somewhat lucky, it was kind of a close game. It, I just really never felt in doubt in that one. I don't know. It's kind of strange. I don't know if it was just coming off a high from that Vikings uh, game or what, but it just kind of felt like this was really, I really had no worry or concern with that Seattle game winning and covering. And just, which is pretty odd, usually, especially the way the season's been going for the NFL. It's just been pretty brutal. So you almost kind of seem pessimistic instead of optimistic. But, uh, yeah, for that game in particular, it really was, uh, I guess, a lot of optimism from my perspective and ended up working out. Yeah, it's just hard to imagine McCown is going to drive down the field, get the touchdown, the two-point conversion, and then they're going to stop him, and then he was going to make play in overtime or late in regulation. So I yeah, and even before I, he went, yeah. even before Wentz went down, I kind of felt that way, and then it kind of just obviously you know doubled down to that perspective the whole rest of the game. But yeah, anyway, it's uh, pretty crazy. So yeah, all right. Um, that's the weekend recap. Let's go ahead. I think there was one qualifier uh, that was a pretty obvious one here for. Getting the best of the numbers, let's go ahead and do that. Getting the best of the number. All right, which game uh, was getting the best of the number qualifier this week? Yeah, like you mentioned, just the one, that Buffalo-Houston game. Um, We mentioned it uh, at at length at the pod last week and and earlier in the pod this this week. But, yeah, Houston opened minus three across the board and quickly got bet down within a day or two down to two and a half. Uh, it's Houston two and a half, and that pretty much what it closed at. Like I said, there was a few twos, but definitely two and a half was the prevailing number at close. And uh, the the final score twenty two nineteen, Houston won by three. Anybody's watching that first game on Saturday last week, so yeah, it's uh, about as good as an example you're going to get for getting the best number, especially on that key number of three. So uh, perfect example there. Yeah, definitely. That's we obviously both profited at getting the the better side of of three. And I know that uh, I forgot who it was. I think it was. 
Mike Palm on VEASAN today was saying that their book, they had so much Buffalo plus two and a half money that they that, that was actually a real good game for them. And it's like it's hard to imagine when you kind of get sided there a little bit and people could have had three or two and a half depending on when they got it throughout the week and it ends up being a real good game for them. Just going to show you how little attention people pay to uh, to the number. And that's something where it's like, yeah, even if you miss it and it's not available, it's just maybe I'm just stubborn, but it's just hard for me out of principle to say, well, I could have got three earlier in the week, but I'm going to go ahead and take two and a half now instead of just laying off and, or, you know, at the very least taking money line. Yeah, well, absolutely. It just comes down to if, if you're uh, trying to make money doing this or betting and everything, it's, uh, if, if you lost that game, it's just, uh, you know, a detriment on your, on yourself. I mean, you don't have anyone else to blame. I mean, such, especially that that big difference in numbers, not even like a, you know, like a 10 or something, which is somewhat of a key number or, or six or something when it's a, when it's a three and you could have got a three for a day, two days earlier in the week. And then you go and take Buffalo two and a half, unless there's an information change or something, but when nothing really changes, I mean, I guess you could say the injury. Um, to the wide receiver, but it, I mean, of Houston, but it's just, I don't know. It just seems like, uh, you, you just really have no excuse. So that's why, yeah, getting the best number is really, really prevalent here. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the divisional round here. Got four games. This time we got one NFC game Saturday and one Sunday and one AFC game Saturday and one Sunday. So they stopped with the uh, conference on the same day deal. Uh, first off, we have the Minnesota Vikings heading to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, looks like the Niners uh, are seven here at home with a total of 44, 44 and a half. Yeah, let me just make a couple notes here before we jump into this, uh, this week's slate. Um, the first thing I want to mention from last week, I forgot to mention in the last segment, but, or the two segments ago, but that strength of schedule, uh, they went three and one against the spread and straight up. Uh, uh, just a stronger strength of schedule, like which we hit on pretty hard last week in the podcast. So that's another, uh, you know, winning, winning the wild card round for that just basic system. So, uh, of course, the only one that lost that one would have been the Vikings had the weaker strength of schedule and they ended up winning outright. So they, uh, broke that winning outright and the cover. But uh, other than that, the other three games all won and covered for the better strength of schedule. And then the second note, um, I will make is just the power ratings going into this week. I don't, like I'll do every week, but I just feel, it is pretty important how the power range kind of mean a lot less here because now you have some people come off a buy, these teams come off a buy in different spots, so that's something to take note of here. But I will give my just my strict power rating number just kind of as a as a baseline. So yeah, let's jump into this one and, here, in Minnesota. And just a quick note there on the strength of schedule deal for anybody waiting for this, it doesn't doesn't nearly apply to the divisional round like it does to the wild card round, correct? Yeah, it hasn't been as strong. I, I don't know. I've heard other people talk about it too, because it's. I'm not really sure why it, it hasn't been, but I, I don't even really factor it into the handicap at all this week. But uh, that's just what the the long term numbers have said over over the years that it doesn't. Uh, you know, it's not as prevalent. Or it's not as prevalent to this. Uh, uh, this uh, this week. Yeah, I just wanted to make that point clear in case somebody's sitting on the edge of their seat waiting to hear those after it went three and one last week. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's get into this handicap here. Uh, Minnesota at San Francisco. My power rating number, Minnesota five and, or sorry, San Francisco five and a half. I'm going to do that a lot here the last couple of weeks. But yeah, San Francisco five and a half. And then, uh, the opener, which I'll use the Westgate opener in Las Vegas for the total and the spread. The total here open, or sorry, the spread here open San Francisco seven and the total here open 45 and a half. Um, so yeah, quick money came on the under. And it, uh, so yeah, that's sitting, like you said, 44, 44 and a half. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to talk about the rest of these games, but yeah, just in general, just not have a strong opinion on many of these games like we did last week. I was surprised how many 
opinions I had last week, but um, this this game here in particular, it just seems it seems to me like the only way you're getting value is taking Minnesota again. But uh, you know, I'm kind of a pessimist, I guess, trying to be a hometown fan. But it just comes down to, yeah, boy, I, I don't know. It just the spot wise here, it's not really good for Minnesota having to uh, that big win there against the. Uh, a foe for sure in New in New Orleans when nobody you know played that card that nobody nobody thought that they believed in Minnesota and they went down there and did it and like you said everybody and their mother was on the the New Orleans Saints last week uh, with either laying the the teaser at a couple points laying the spread or just taking the money line and when they come in there and have that big win like that it just you got to kind of worry about the spot then also have enough travel to the West Coast but with that being said I feel like San Francisco is definitely a, a point or point and a half downgrade at least that's what my power ratings have from New Orleans so you factor that in it's also with the home field they give the New Orleans home field a lot uh, a decent amount stronger than San Francisco I'd say about three quarters to a point stronger in home field so a weaker home field now in Minnesota I mean this game I think is definitely winnable uh, or keep it definitely keep it in the numbers so, I mean I think when you're getting a full seven it seems like there's a tad bit of value in Minnesota but again I just worried about the spot a little bit but uh, I, I don't really have any any uh any faith that I have no not even close to getting there with San Francisco laying the points here, especially now that it's the, it is the full seven and, instead of six and a half like some books were showing earlier in the week. So, um yeah, to me it's a it's a Minnesota or pass. But again, I just I feel like the spot to bet Minnesota if you believed them would have been last week and now going in here, I think you're kind of listening about a little bit. But again, I don't think the the spread's necessarily completely justified. So I think uh, maybe a small play Minnesota or a pass for me. But yeah, no opinion on the total. But uh, Minnesota would be the only way I could bet the game. Yeah, I echo that pretty much completely. I maybe feel slightly stronger on the Vikings. It just it just doesn't seem like I I think that New Orleans is a better team than San Francisco. And I just, I just wouldn't say necessarily a better team, but I I think they have a higher projected ceiling. Or I, I would be like you said, as Vikings fans, I was more scared about playing New Orleans than I am playing for San Francisco in a vacuum. But uh, I think that is a pretty poor spot here when you play Sunday. And then you travel back home from New Orleans, and then you have the early game on Saturday. Uh, you know, short, one day short rest, and then they're on extra rest, and then you got to go to the West Coast. And at least the the body clock won't be too far thrown off. Like I'm glad this is the uh, you know 4:30 Eastern time as opposed to like the the night game because I think it seems like every time the Vikings have went to the West Coast and played the, like, that opener first week night game against inferior teams they've got absolutely destroyed and it just seems like they haven't been able to adjust. So I I definitely I'm glad it's an earlier game because on the you know, three thirty uh Minnesota time I don't think will be quite as big of a an adjustment as the as a late game would be. So I think it's a bad spot, but I don't think it's a unbackable spot by any means. You just look at what the Niners have done. I think they're a really quality team, but I don't think you can totally trust Garoppolo. Uh, you know, Shanahan I've been a big fan of, but he's also made some questionable decisions late in games. And then you look at what they've done over the last month and a half here. Uh, you know, they beat the Seattle by five in a game that, uh, you know, they were whatever three and a half point favorites and, uh, they could have very easily lost in that last play. And they beat the Rams at home by three. Uh, and then they lost to the Falcons at home by seven. And then they went to the Saints and won that weird game where they went back and forth that I really don't think they should have won, but kudos to them. They did pull it out. And then they went and played a pretty good game at Baltimore and lost by three. But so the, for the, those, the most part, those are pretty quality teams. I mean, obviously three of those five are still in the playoffs. 
But if you look at their margins of victory, it's five, three, two, and then two losses. So when you start talking about a team that's three and two over their last five games and haven't beat anybody by more than five points, and in that game they should have lost outright, it's like, I don't know, hard for me to judge. They don't feel like a, like a one or a two seed, like even in the AFC this week, those feel like, uh, you know, like they're your, your standard, Year in and year out, one and two seeds. Well, how strong they are compared to much inferior wild cards. Kind of been saying it for a while, but it feels like this NFC is just kind of a crapshoot where you just throw all the teams in a in a hat and start picking out who you think is going to be good outside of maybe Philly. But it, like you, like we get to Seattle and Green Bay, but I just I don't think there's much separates those two teams either. And on any given day, uh, I, I think San Francisco and Minnesota are better teams than those two. But any given day, I think anybody could beat any other team. So I think the the rest and the spot does factor into it. And for that reason, I don't like this quite as much as I did last week, kind of like you were saying. But I still think this is quite a few points. And, I, again, I've heard a lot of people saying that they feel the most confident that San Francisco is going to win out of anybody this weekend. And to me, that's just absurd. I don't really, I don't really get it. I just don't think they're uh, – 13 and 3 number 1 seed that you'd see every year and be like oh boy it's it's nearly impossible to go into there and win like i don't think san francisco has a particularly strong home field advantage i don't think there's nothing about them that's battle tested i mean what what was their record last year they were they had the number 2 overall pick i think <laughs> or number 3 or whatever so to make that big of a leap yeah they've played good and they got a lot of quality players but i to, to pencil them in here as the strongest team or into the NFC Championship, to me, it's pretty absurd. And I think the, the Vikings come out flat. There's there's definitely potential for that to happen, and the Niners could cover this number. But I think if the Vikings give an average effort to good effort, I think there's just a lot of points. So I I don't see it. I don't see San Francisco. I mean, they could have very easily. It would have what were they two inches away from being the five seed? Then then what kind of respect do they get? You know. That, are they still rated as highly, or do people start jumping off the bandwagon as much? It's uh, just a little surprising to me that it seems like once the playoff seedings got set, people just kind of reverted back to what they historically think about seeding as opposed to how it actually played out this year. So and another thing is it seems like, yeah, there's a little bit of money on the under, but I know uh, like Mitch and Paul, they were talking today about how 4-0 with the under uh, last week. And the wild card games have historically been lower scoring, and then the divisional round, the the over picks up, and it's been hitting at like 67% over the last few years or something like that. And I don't think San Francisco's really an under team. I mean, the Shanahan's definitely aggressive by nature, and the Vikings, I'm not really sure what to make of them. With their defense plays like they did last week, maybe they're a little bit of an under team. But it feels to me like if you think San Francisco's going to have an edge at all here, the Vikings are going to probably have to try to keep up a little bit. So 44 seems like a pretty low number here, and I think it might be a little bit, uh, you know, not a, a little bit of an overreaction to to the unders that took place last week. So I think it feels a little bit cheap. So I definitely like the over a little bit, and uh, I like the Vikings a decent amount. So I already bet the Vikings taking the seven, and I also put a little bit on the on the money line. So try to take some of those winnings from last week and, and run it back here. All right, on to Saturday night, heading over to the AFC now. We got uh, 8.15 Eastern start time, Tennessee heading to Baltimore. Baltimore laying uh, 9.5 here at home with a total of 46.5. Yeah, my power in here, Baltimore 12.5. 
Westgate opened Baltimore 10, and the total here opened 48. Um, yeah, like, kind of like you said, it's a good point. It's kind of something to keep note of. I'm already on some couple overs here, and the, the not not these two games, but the next two games. And, uh, yeah, you kind of see it. Seems like every one of these games are getting bet down here. Uh, like you said, going every game going 4-0 uh, and going under last week. So I mean, if that has something to do with it, maybe a short-term sample size. But, yeah, that would be good here for overs for sure. So um, in this game, too, it just seems like bet down from 48, 48 being a somewhat key number, 47 being a really key number in a total market, and now you're seeing 46.5. I, I don't know necessarily love it here, but I, I, I'd probably look over again in this game. And I, I do agree with you. That's probably the way I'd look, too, in that Minnesota game and be over. but. Um, it just seems like here, um, not, not a huge play, but that'd be the way I, I'd bet it. And then from the spread perspective, yeah, boy, I don't know. It's kind of similar here to this Kansas City, uh, spread and, and, and handicap for me. It just seems like, uh, my power ratings are higher and my power rates suggest the, the favorite here in Baltimore, but I just hate laying this many points. But with that being said, I just, I really have no interest here in taking Tennessee. That's what it comes down to. Um, and I mean, It'd probably have to go through the 10, and I'd have to get more than 10 before I'd even be remotely interested on the Tennessee side. So that means for me, um, I actually have already bet Baltimore here, uh, laying under 10, and, and that's the way I'd probably recommend it's laying points, which I normally don't do. But it just seems like Baltimore is just a, a really unique team and might be one of the best teams of all time. And, again, we'll see how they do in the playoffs. But I just I really don't want to fade this team right now is really what it comes down to. So to me, it's either Baltimore or pass um, from a handicap perspective. and I won't be totally shocked if they came out and didn't look as as dominant, but I, I also won't be totally shocked if they came out and just absolutely dominated the day of this game too. So I mean, I think there's some different outcomes that could happen because I mean, you always got to be nervous laying this many points. But like I said, I just I, from the spot the Tennessee after they're all in game there against Belichick and Brady and, and and the Patriots going into Foxborough and now having to go back on the road again to Baltimore that's rested a team that hasn't played in what two three weeks now pretty much or they haven't played fully in two or three weeks and. Have a lot of rest here, which it might be a bad thing having had the, having all that rust potentially, but um, just getting healthier and everything, you'd think it'd be uh, probably a better thing. So, yeah, to me, I don't have a, a huge strong play here, but again, I just uh, it, it, for me, it's Baltimore pass laying this many points, which is usually a, a, a something I don't do, over, especially over a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we haven't talked about these at all, so this is kind of our first uh, first interaction discussing these spreads this week and. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm not a, really a fan of lane points at all, especially when you're getting close to double digits here. But the only way I would look here would be would be Baltimore. It's just to me, the Titans kind of seem like they might have had their Super Bowl type effort last week, and I think they've been a little bit overrated here uh, coming into the back half of the season. I just I just think people have given their offense credit as this unstoppable force, or you not not unstoppable force, but a really quality unit. And I just don't really see it. I just I thought Tannehill's played way better than Mariota, but that's not really saying much. And they've been putting up points, but like I went through last week, it was just a lot of really good situations and and poor opponents. I think there's more so the cause of it than anything. And just a quick little side note: it's like last week people were talking about how great Derrick Henry was, and he was really good. But it's like they they did control the ball game with running the ball, but. With all that that he accomplished, the 180 yards and whatever, it's like they still only put up 14 points until the pick six at the very end. So if your offense is that great and your running back has that good a performance and it still only results in 14 points, uh, to me is just not, not, not a good uh, example of how you want to game plan to try to win a game. If you're relying on your running back to have an incredible performance and that's the type of game you're going to win, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, 
you know, it's not a lot of room for error there. So uh, just a kind of a general point that I'd much rather rely on more of a passing attack than than a, a running back like that to grind out that many yards and, and kill the clock. But for the, I mean, anyway, back to the Baltimore deal here. It just seems to me like they're a team that wouldn't likely get as rusty with a, you know a running predominantly running style offense here, where I don't think they're as opposed to like you know a, a Saints team or somebody that's really reliant on throwing and timing routes. I feel like this this offense shouldn't really miss a beat as much from from rest. And just, I just don't think the Titans are all that good. I think the the talent and the quality of team disparity in the AFC here is just so much greater than it is in the NFC. So I know the, obviously the point spreads are higher here in the AFC, but it just feels to me like this Baltimore team at home, who has a pretty good home field advantage, and yeah, is fully rested, they could be sitting on a really impressive effort here and. It seems to me like it's pretty likely that uh, it's going to be the one-two matchup in the AFC here. And I just, I don't know, I could see Baltimore looking really impressive this week and then kind of having a little bit more trouble next week against Kansas City. So I don't know, maybe it's a little bit a gut feel as much as anything. The only thing, I, the only reason I probably won't get involved with the, the Ravens is, like I said, with Tennessee, with, with their run-it style of offense and, it's just kind of not really that exciting and, you know, killing clock basically and stuff. It's, it makes those points all, mu- all that much more important. So if it does happen to play out where Tennessee can either stay even or get a lead or only be down a little bit early, I think they could just keep running the ball and trying to grind clock like they did with Henry last week. And if, if that's the case, then those points could be really important. But I also, I think it's pretty likely that if Baltimore gets out on top, it just could be an absolute destruction. So in pick'em pools and stuff where you're forced to pick, uh, I, I'm going to go Baltimore. And still, I would, I'd maybe consider it here at nine or nine and a half before it, it gets up to ten. But it's just one of those things to me where it's like if, when I like the, the favorite in this range, I'd rather just put more money on, on dogs or, or shorter favorites that I like in other situations. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's about it for me. It's it's kind of too bad that it wasn't. I mean, I hope maybe it'll be competitive, but it kind of sucks if it's a primetime night game on a Saturday and it ends up being a blowout. It's kind of take the air out of the sails as far as fun goes from a viewership standpoint. But we'll see. Uh, on to Sunday games now. The early game at uh, 3:05 Eastern time. We got Houston heading to Kansas City, and uh, the Chiefs laying nine and a half here at home with a total of 51. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. This game here, Kansas, my power rating number, Kansas City, 11 and a half. Westgate open, Kansas City minus eight. And a total here open, 49. And yeah, I mean, pretty much just take, uh, my handicap from last game and then put it into this game. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. I mean, uh, just, you know, power rating numbers pretty much around the same, same pocket, uh, right over 10. And you're laying, uh, you know, if you chop around, you can get a nine and a half flat. So you're laying under 10 here on Kansas City. And, and again, not that I love laying this many points, but I just feel like they're a, a quite a bit better team and, and my power rating numbers have Baltimore and Kansas City uh, a lot higher here than most of the other teams in the NFL or all the other teams in the NFL not most um they're definitely the top two power rated teams and my numbers are, are Baltimore and Kansas City and we've been on Kansas City here for a while here we've been talking about on the podcast about how I think Kansas City is a pretty strong candidate here for the Super Bowl and they're a really strong team here and kind of coming on at the end of the season that's pretty much what's been happening so 
Uh, with that being said, I do have a little bit of pause with Kansas City, unlike Baltimore. I think Baltimore really hasn't shown any signs of, of poor games. Uh, there's a, a couple close ones there. I know they had that one with Buffalo that they've, you know, kind of, it was right on the, on the number there for covering or not. And then they had that other one against San Francisco that they ended up not covering. But again, that was a rainy game and kind of a sloppy game. Other than that, they've been pretty impressive from against the spread perspective. And Kansas City, uh, you, you can kind of say the same, but I know that, that Chargers game that they played, Oh, the week 17, they did end up winning and covering, but you know, that was a little bit of a phony cover. I think it was a little fortunate to get there and win by 10 points. I mean, that game I think was a lot closer than the, than the score to indicate. And, uh, there's, there's a late score there to kind of get the touchdown in order to go up by 10. And so that's, that's the one pause for concern. I think for me, it's just that that Chargers team, I think it's a decent amount worse than Houston. And, uh, again, that's just one game and one sample size, but Kansas City was playing there for the, the, the bye and they ended up needing that win like blood, obviously, because New England lost their game against Miami. So they were trying, you know, putting full effort in, making it like a playoff type of atmosphere and game for Kansas City at home there. And the fact that, they, like I said, they did cover, but it wasn't really like a very impressive fashion, I don't think. So um, that's the one concern I have here, laying this many points here with Kansas City. But, again, I, that'd be the only way I could look. I just really don't want to take Houston, especially in that first half. They're just really, really not very impressed the way they played that first half against Buffalo in a, in a game that I thought they would have a lot more control on, like we said earlier. Yeah, they did end up getting the job done and winning and, and, and looked somewhat impressive there in the second half. But again, that slow start, it just seems like a, a Houston, you get a good week, get a good, get the team good one week and then bad the other week. So I don't know if this is the bad week or not, but it just seems like, again, spot wise, it doesn't really favor them. And, and of course you add in Andy Reid. I think that has to be mentioned here in the handicap about how strong he is off a of bye. And essentially this is a bye or it is a bye. I'm um, coming off of extra rest and a week off. So I mean, he's been very, very strong against the spread. So it's hard to buck that trend, even though. They are a big favorite here, but yeah, again, same as, same as last game. It's to me, it's a Kansas City or pass. I probably don't like it quite as much as Baltimore, but, um, yeah, I, I do like the Kansas City side here laying under 10. Uh, the other, the side I like more here in this game would be the total. I already bet on it here a little bit, gotten a little bit, a little bit up now at 51, which was a somewhat of a key number, but yeah, I like over here on this Houston Kansas City game. This seems like a little bit of a, little bit of a track meet and quite a bit of points I think are going to be scored here. I don't see, uh, the weather looks like it's going to be fine, so that's not too big of a concern, but I will keep an eye on that as, as it goes on before I release this potential play. But the wind speed kind of came down a little bit. That's the one thing I was keeping my eye on. Uh, but yeah, under 10 mile an hour winds, so that's not a huge deal for me. Um, and yeah, the weather looks good. So that'd be the one concern because since it's outside here, not in the dome, but, uh, yeah, this seems just like an over, uh, kind of written all over here in this game for me. So yeah, I'll, I'll be looking at the over here and, and, and a lean here to Kansas City laying the points. Yeah, this is the first time where we really differ, and I don't feel, I don't think either of us feel extremely strongly about it, but I took a little bit of, uh, Houston plus 10, and I, I don't, I don't love it, but I just think that that's just a lot of points, and for as good as this Kansas City team can be, and I, I do think that we both agree on that Kansas City's potential is extremely high, and I wouldn't be surprised at all, like I said, if they come into Baltimore next week and win. But that being said, it just seems to me like, um, this is, might be an offense too that off a of rest. I know Reed's been really good off the bye, but it does seem like it relies a lot more on big plays and, and timing type stuff. So if, if they're not fully clicking, I could see where it's one of those things where it's like, boy, they just have all the talent in the world and you just see them like they're close, but they just can't quite figure it out for like the first half. And if that's the case, uh, you know, covering 10 is going to be asking quite a bit. And at the same time, uh, I just think that Deshaun Watson's just pretty, 
pretty great. <laughs> and uh their their offensive line for Houston's definitely troubling. But if if Watson has a good performance, even if Kansas City does play pretty solidly, I still feel like ten just quite a few points here. And I could I could absolutely see like you're saying where it could be it could shoot out here fairly easily. But I, I think that Watson might be able to match points with them for a while. And if they do lose, you still have the back door obviously potential and uh you know if it's games close at all you could and it's an exciting game, you could have a winner, uh, you know, regardless of who actually ends up winning the game. So, I know it does kind of break the rule where if if you don't think a team can win outright, then you shouldn't be backing them with the spread. And I really don't think Houston has much of a chance to win outright. So that is, uh, you know, a potential counter argument. But it just seems to me like if you're getting that ten, especially, uh, it's just a lot of points against a Kansas City team that has been really good at flashes. But yeah, like you said even. Even uh, week 17 there, when they absolutely needed the game like crazy against a pretty inferior, poor Chargers team, and they got pretty lucky even to win that game by 10 when they were up three late and got a, a touchdown at the very end. So, uh, yeah, the, I mean, the one thing that would worry me is Kansas City's defense has been playing quite a bit better here and just allowed less, you know, 21 points was the most they've allowed here in the last uh, six games. So. If the the offense comes out and has a good performance and the defense keeps playing like they have been, then maybe uh, maybe they will just destroy Houston, and that that is a, a worrisome thing for me. But I think the Kansas State defense is probably more so in the middle of the horrendous defense they were real early in the season and the real good defense they were late. I think it's probably just a middle of the road defense, and if that's the case, I think Watson will have a decent amount of success. Uh, you you mentioned it earlier. Uh, a little bit about last week with uh, how many people were talking about Will Fuller and how that was you thought he would have been the most important guy on the planet for for Houston. I don't think I've heard his name mentioned this week yet. Is is he playing? Have we heard any any update on him? You you yeah, think he is? I, yeah, I don't know. I would think he was too because he was kind of borderline if he was going to play, and then he got rolled out for sure basically late Saturday, uh, early Sunday. So I, or no, let, sorry, late Friday, early Saturday there last weekend. But yeah, you would think he's going to go. I think that's a huge difference here for Houston and, and the total. I mean, yeah, it, it was talked about a lot, and I don't think it. Just, I don't know if that was part of the justification of moving that number off of three. I definitely don't think that should cause it to move. But I mean, I think more even so than the spread, I think the total is going to be a, a lot affected by Fuller. He just stretches the field and, and the big plays. I think he just means so much. And then obviously you saw Hopkins had a really slow start last week too. I think that had partially to do with Fuller. So, um, yeah, I, I would think he's going to be a go. And at least from my total perspective, I hope he's a go. That's for sure. Um, and then I just want to say one some, real quick. You can get back in if you have anything else to say. Um, but I, I, the other thing for the total I wanted to mention, I mean, you're watching that Houston game last week. I forgot to mention when I was uh, breaking it down. But, I mean, the tackling for that Houston defense was just so oh, horrendous. It was, it was just it was just god-awful. And, I mean, that's just a really big concern for that Houston team. I mean, yeah, you're getting points, which is a lot better. So uh, that's, that's But that was one thing that I somewhat missed in the handicap when I bet them last week. I mean, that there was, I don't know how many missed tackles they had, but I mean, they had, to, they had to have somewhere to 15 to 20 missed tackles, I and mean, that's just uncalled for. And it's not just, oh, you have weak personnel. I mean, that's just basic, you know, <laughs> basic, uh, uh, you know, whatever, uh, technique of how to, how to tackle. And it was just like arm tackles and everything else, just really pitiful. So, I mean, I think that might really come back to, to haunt them here in this Kansas City game for a, an explosive team. And if you give them extra chances or, you know, missed open field tackles, especially with some speed on the wide receivers, that's just, and that could that could be really problematic, and especially adding Mahomes that can run. So that's something to take note of too of, of, of the of the Houston defense. Yeah, that's a fair point. And uh, if you look at, like, I don't think 
Tennessee and Baltimore, they haven't played this year, have they? I don't think. Um, let me look at that quick. I'm pretty sure they haven't, but just want to double check here. Yeah, they this, they didn't play this year. So this is a this is a rematch of a uh a, what a week six game. And I remember at the time I liked Kansas City a decent amount that week because they were coming off a pretty poor loss to the Colts on Sunday night. And I thought, all right, they're gonna make make good here against this Texans team. And they ended up losing the game 31-24. And I know Mahomes was a little bit hobbled in that game, but he did play. It was before the Matt Moore games. And so I, it seems to me like the Texans and Chiefs are somewhat similar in a way. I think the Texans' defense is a notch down, and their offense is you know lacking as quite as big a weapons, probably. I mean, even though when Fuller's in there, him and Hopkins are pretty good. But it just seems to me like they're fairly similar teams, and I'm not going to go solely off that matchup, but it just seems to me like they're they're a little bit closer than the spread suggests. I think this should be more in like the seven and a half range to me personally. So if you can get a ten, a ten, it just seems to me like uh, it's it's a little bit of value. So that's something I'm going to go crazy with. Definitely not going to do a two unit like I did last week. Might not even release as a play. We'll see kind of how the market bears out here if ten becomes widely available or not. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the way I would look and I. I don't feel too strongly either, but I would agree with you on the on the over as well. All right, uh, Sunday afternoon, six forty Eastern, we have the the fraud bowl, as some people were calling on Twitter, which I thought was kind of comical. We got Seattle heading to Green Bay, Packers laying four here at home with a total of forty seven. Yeah, my power in here, Green Bay four, Westgate open, Green Bay three and a half, and the total here open forty seven. Yeah, I mean, from a side perspective, I just have a tough, tough time with this game. Like you said, I think these, both these teams, I don't know if, I don't know if you can argue that they shouldn't be in the playoffs, but I mean, it's just, they shouldn't, Green Bay shouldn't have that seed, that's for sure. So they shouldn't have a first round bye. I'm, I feel pretty strongly about that. I, I think Minnesota's a better team than Green Bay. Um, and, and there's other teams in the NFC that Saints are, are better. Sure. Yeah. Saints for sure, obviously. And I don't know. So it, it's just really, I have a hard time with this game. I mean, on the other token, the I mean, Seattle's really banged up, and yeah, of course, I got there last week with my bet. But it just that that seemed like a, a game where if if they're going to be uh, making a run here, they should have really blown the doors off of, of Philly, and they really didn't. And I, I mean, give some credit to McCown. I mean, he was able to move that ball uh, against that Seattle defense pretty well, especially between the twenties. I mean, their biggest problem was not getting the red zone uh, scoring there on, on offense from Philadelphia's perspective, and. I think you're still kind of seeing a little bit of a deficiency there from not having Frank Reich. I think we saw how good he was in the red zone and how good he was on third downs. And um, the Philadelphia's third down last game wasn't very good percentage-wise, and the red zone was pretty poor. So I think that was the, uh, like I said, the deficiency in Frank Reich. And um, with Seattle, I, like that just seemed like a game where, you know, a big game like that on the road. Yeah, it's difficult any road game, but I mean, if you're going to go out and blow out anybody, that'd be the perfect situation. A, a super, super banged up Philly team and, and losing their, you know, basically the only glue that they had left there from that offensive side of the ball and, and, and Carson Wentz and he goes down. So I mean, uh, losing their top receivers and have a banged up tight end and then and their quarterback being out. I mean, that's a time where you think the Seattle defense, if they have any, if they're good, they'd be able to, you know, to just basically hold them to nothing. And on the scoreboard, that's what it'll look like. But again, I think, McCown did a pretty good job moving the ball back and forth against uh, the Seattle defense. So that definitely worries me now when you step up in class to a Green Bay offense. That's you know, their passing hasn't been great, but that running game's been pretty, you know, pretty good. And I think that Seattle is they kind of are pretty vulnerable against the run and, and the pass. So I mean, I don't know. I think that Green Bay's has some success here, 
moving the football on offense, and then uh, Seattle, I, I think they're going to be able to put up some points too. So yeah, from a side perspective, I don't have a, a huge opinion. I I guess I'd probably lean Green Bay, but it just I really don't want to lay any points here, and, and mostly it has to do with just a strong home field. But again, I could see a, a this game really playing out where Seattle, you know, with Russell betting against Wilson, I think at this point is just kind of tough, especially when you have a team that I don't really trust. So I mean, it, I just I don't know. But taking the Seattle side, it's just I don't really not a good proposition for me either. I just don't feel like um, this is it's not really a good spot, and I, like I said, they're banged up and. They haven't been really impressive for me. So, yeah, the, to me, I think this side's about the easiest out of the three to stay away. I'm more than certainly not going to have a bet on this game from a side perspective. But the total, uh, originally I kind of liked the under uh, at 47 is kind of where I first looked. But the more I dug into it, like I said, I just feel like you know the C- Seattle's banged up defense and then, and then Green Bay's defense I think was touted really highly at the start of the season. And they've kind of gone, uh, you know, consistently going down and down. Uh, again, I, I, one thing that concerns me is that, off the defensive line do- absolutely dominated the Minnesota offensive line week 16. I was at that game, like I mentioned, a, f- uh, a few weeks ago. But it's it, so that's one thing that I think concerns me from the Seattle perspective is if that offensive line can hold or not because they've been pretty banged up and pretty miserable as well. But of course, you have Wilson that can escape the pocket a lot better than somebody like Kirk Cousins can. But again, that'd be my one cause for concern. But assuming that they they don't just take over that game, uh, the, the Green Bay defensive line that is, I, I think this has a really good chance of. I'm getting over, and I do have some money on the over here. Um, it's kind of gotten back up. It, it came down to 46, 46 and a half. Now it's back up to 47, uh, unfortunately. And again, like I said, that's a pretty key number on 47. So hard to recommend at the current price. But if, if it does pop down below uh, 47, I think it is a, a pretty good bet on the over. But like I said, I feel like there's going to be some quite a bit of movement here on the offense, and, and there'll be quite a few points put up here. So, yeah, side perspective is pretty much a complete stay away for me. But, uh, yeah, total here I'm going to look over. Yeah, I I took a little Seattle plus four at the open. I don't I don't feel real strong about it. I just to me it seems like these teams are pretty equal. I I actually I think I trust Wilson a little bit more uh, the current day, and this, maybe that's just me overreacting to the, the Lions game, week seventeen for the Packers. But it, it's just kind of it's hard to cause yeah if you get the Packers team that played the Vikings week sixteen, like this is super cheap and you know I. I think they're a real quality team, but if you get the team that seems like to play every other week, uh, it just really hasn't been that impressive at all. And it just seems like they haven't been able to put full games together. And and this isn't a huge margin by any means. And, and I, yeah, it's just Seattle looks super unimpressive against the Eagles, even in winning by eight and covering that spread fairly easily. Uh, yeah, with McCown coming in, I, I agree. She was moving the ball at will at some points, and it was pretty, pretty pretty frustrating because i i jumped in and took some in-game once carson went down it's like not that i'm you know brilliant or you know seeing something that other people aren't but it was crazy because the number really wasn't adjusting a whole lot and uh i was kind of getting worried there because i'm like boy it should be a huge drop off i would think and it really didn't seem yeah like i want to so. i want to intervene i want to intervene there quick because i think the one thing that you need to keep note for people that i don't bet live that much just mostly because of limits i mean it's hard to get down a lot of money and everything else but and it's a, you know, a lot of work, and you kind of got to get the best of the number and all that stuff. There's other reasons for me why I don't do it consistently. But, yeah, for people that do bet live, a lot of those things, when something like goes down, it's it's pretty much all algorithmic-based. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people putting up numbers because it's just so time-consuming. So, yeah, exactly. I think you kind of just basically got a flaw in their system. I mean, they're not going to account for that injury right away, and it's going to take the market to adjust as opposed to the bookmakers to adjust. So, yeah, you have some time there and a cushion, and I'm sure, like you said, you probably got a good bet there just because it wasn't accounted for. 
Yeah, I had some Seattle minus three and a half, and then I popped them again at Seattle minus five and a half, and and I was like, am I really gonna about to, these bets are gonna go up in smoke because they haven't been able to shut down Josh McCown at all, and and I ended up holding their lay, but it was just it was pretty startling, and sound to get back with that same defense this week against a rested Packers team, even though he hasn't been playing great, still has Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's kind of a scary proposition and, and definitely, uh, you know, puts a little bit of fear in me. So not something that I love Seattle, but just to me, Russell Wilson's playing at a pretty, pretty high level. And these teams to me just seem super equal. I know, yeah, Green Bay, you said that some people have them getting four for home field and say they're one of the stronger home fields. And I, I can see that, but I don't think Seattle's a team that's really going to be scared at all to go into Green Bay. I think they're a pretty, you know, veteran-laden team. And with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, I just don't think they're gonna really going to blink. And to me, it just really has a feel of a game that's going to come down to a last-second field goal or, you know, a last-second drive either way. And maybe the Packers will be up a touchdown and, and they'll hold on to win and the, the four points won't matter. But uh, it just uh, in a situation like this, if the roles were reversed and you had Green Bay and Seattle catching four, I would be on Green Bay. So to me, it just seems like it's going to be a kind of a coin flippy game. So I'm just going to take the points and for a you know, relatively small bet, nothing, nothing I feel great about and just kind of hold my nose and, and see what happens. Uh, but yeah, nothing, no, no real strong opinion in this one. Uh, just kind of a side note. If the Vikings do happen to get through San Francisco, would you rather, would you rather go to Green Bay or Seattle for the NFC championship game if you got to pick? I don't know. I, I think I'd probably rather go to Seattle. It's, uh, it's just comes down to, and we are, we already played there. I mean, obviously we played in Green Bay too, but I think Seattle, we had, yeah, I don't know. I guess I kind of go both ways. We should have, I think we could have very easily won in both places, but it just <laughs> seems like, yeah, I think it's a pretty tough proposition. It seems like to me, these teams are pretty close to even. So I think it's kind of a, a horse apiece. I guess what it comes down to is I think, I think Green Bay's home field might be stronger than Seattle. So I guess it'd be a, a small nod to Seattle, but uh, yeah, definitely not too convincing. Yeah, it's weird because I think at the current day and age, Wilson's scarier to go against, but I think I'd probably rather go to Seattle. I don't, I don't know why exactly if that game is just more fresh in my mind, but it feels like we should have won that game as, or there's just more out, like it seems like we're going to be live in that game pretty much all the time. Whereas with Green Bay, if they come out and play like they did against us in week 16, it might be a deal where we're just kind of up against it and really don't have much of a chance. So I don't know. I don't feel super strongly about it either. I, I'd be fine either one, but uh, yeah, I'd probably slightly lean to Seattle actually. Um, all right, yeah, that uh, that'll do it for the divisional slate. Yeah, not nearly as, as strong a takes there across the board as we had on the on the wild card weekend. But let's wrap her up and do our pick of the week. The AS pick of the week. All right, so last week I had Houston minus two and a half, which got there, and you had Seattle. Minus one and a half, which got there as well. So that got us back both to uh, seven and ten on the year. So by the Super Bowl here, we'll probably get back to about five hundred if we can keep up at this rate. Yeah, let's go. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, I keep the tee box, I believe. And yeah, it's a lot trickier this week when, if unless you're going to the total realm, which from an outside perspective with those two big ones, unless you feel real strong about one of the underdogs, uh, I think I'm gonna. Kind of just ignore the spot a little bit and take what I think is a pretty good number as far as value goes and 
and uh, take the Vikings plus seven at San Francisco. I think uh, it's just a couple too many and, and tough to ignore there. So hopefully I can get the winner out of the way right out of the shoot. What uh, what are you looking at here? Yeah, old Frank, uh, the Homer Simpson, right? That's right. But, um, yeah, I'm going to take, uh, like you said, I think spread-wise, I just don't have a much uh, much much feel here. These tights for the teams that I do like are the playing a lot of points here. I just don't like betting that that much. And, again, I'll probably have some money on both uh, Baltimore and Kansas City. Um, out of the big favorites here, but again, not, not a convincing amount, and it just comes down to, I don't have a whole lot of faith whenever, whenever you're laying that many points, so, yeah, I'm gonna go over to the, the total here in that Houston, Kansas City game, I'm gonna go up and over. 51 is my pick of the week, I just feel like, uh, that's a fair price, and it's, you know, it's a high total, but I feel like, uh, it should maybe be a little bit higher, uh, you, you can remember too, and say in my handicap, but I mean, a couple of years ago, or two years ago, these Kansas City totals would be hard to find one under 55, or 54, I mean, every one of them was just super high, cause they were just, Every one of them was a track meet, and I, I get it. Their defense has been improved, but I don't know if I necessarily buy that 100%. And like I said, this Houston team, um, I think their defense is uh, it's pretty vulnerable, especially against a, a highly touted uh, Kansas City offense. So, yeah, let's go up and over 51 for the pick of the week. All right, that sounds good. Uh, any concluding thoughts here to end the pod? Um, No. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think you said at the start of the pod, I feel like, not going to be as many good games here this week. I feel like it's going to be a little bit, uh, you might have some more blowouts and not too close of games, but hopefully from a viewer's perspective, uh, there will be close games. But yeah, that, uh, I, I definitely going to be a pretty light card for me. That's for sure. So don't be at the edge of your seat waiting for a, a four play release or three play release or anything like that. I mean, I might get to one or potentially two plays for the weekend, but that's about as many as I'm going to get. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully, uh, from a Vikings fan perspective, we can get there, but. It'll be uh, be a tough game for sure, especially. Did you see the news? Do you have any idea about the news from Thielen and uh, Diggs? It looks like Diggs is sick and or you know got some illness, and then uh, Thielen looks like he got banged up at practice today, which is uh, was tweaked his ankle or something. So that's definitely super concerning because I think, uh, like I said uh, after the game, it's just how big of a difference maker uh, specifically uh, Thielen was is uh, you know just crazy how much of a difference maker was, especially uh, as well as Delvin Cook in the running game. Yeah, exactly. I didn't. I saw that, but I don't really know anything more other than just the headlines. So we'll see how it plays out. And it's it's uh, it's kind of annoying, or you know, good or bad, how whether you have a sour taste in your mouth if the Vikings lose, it's going to kind of cloud the rest of these games. Or the inverse, if you know, kind of like when we watched the Seattle Philly one last week, it was you're just kind of happy and and uh, yeah, excited and have a good feel to that game. So definitely uh, starting off there, it'll either be a good feeling or a bad feeling as you watch the rest of them. So it'll be fun. I'll I'll be up at uh, my girlfriend's parents up up north again. So I got the the FCS championship game. I think right before the Vikes game. So it should be a fun fun weekend of football here, and uh, excited for it. And yeah, like I said, as with you, it'll be a pretty light light card for me as well. But uh, good luck to everybody if they do follow us or you know have their own bets or what have you. And uh, best of luck to all the different fan bases out there trying to get to the championship games, including the uh, the Vikings. So we'll be back next week to recap the divisional round and go ahead to the conference championships with only two games, obviously, next week. So we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Arone Sports Podcast. Check out AroneSports.com for all of your sports betting needs, including automatic bet tracking, mobile notifications, free picks, and more.